morning. Welcome to Elam's online service, and we're glad you joined us today for our special VBS theme. Uh, today, the focus of our message is on Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, your word. I pray that you would bless it this morning. And as we look at uh, David and uh, his psalm of thanksgiving to you, stir up thanksgiving within our hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the songs that are popular during a particular time and place in history tell us much about what is going on in the hearts and minds of that generation. Researchers at North Carolina University have shed light on what the major themes have been over the last 50 years in music. They spent countless hours poring over the Billboard number one hits from the 1960s to today. Listen to the topics that made their top eight in the study. Loss, pain, breakup, rebellion, jadedness, escapism, depression, and confusion. This list indicates that there are particular thoughts and concerns that dominate our thinking as a culture. Each era has its own music, which reflects the norms of the time. Before he was a mighty warrior, and before he became the king of Israel, David was first and foremost a musician and a poet. Over half of the Psalms are attributed to him, and he undoubtedly learned to play while spending monotonous days and nights watching his father's flocks. There's no doubt that the harp playing was very soothing to the sheep, but his audience was not limited to them. David was such a good musician that Saul had him come and play for him in the palace during those times when he was tormented by an evil spirit. David's music caused the demonic presence to depart and brought peace to Saul. David had many themes that were woven into his songs, but they are very dissimilar to the themes today. Here are David's top eight. Redemption, blessing, worship, justice, faith, hope of immortality, trust, and thankfulness. During VBS this last week, we talked about David's troubles and how he cried out to God during the most trying times of his life. And this morning we're going to focus on one of David's most famous psalms of thankfulness, Psalm 100. There are three main reasons listed in this psalm why David is so thankful. And so as all of us try to teach our children that thankfulness, we are reminded here by him again and again why we have that thankful heart. And so you are welcome here today. We're thankful that you joined us. And as we look at these reasons for thankfulness that David offers this morning, let's carry them into our personal lives this week. Number one, we see here that David says that we serve the Lord who is God. Bob Dylan got it right when he's saying, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. We may have the illusion that we are the captains of our own destinies. We may think that we are the masters of our fate. But even the most powerful leaders in the world are ultimately serving either God or Satan. 
David is calling upon the entire earth in this psalm to make a joyful noise in thanksgiving because it's the Lord that we serve and not the devil. Just think of the payment that you get from one or the other, from the Lord or from the devil. With God, you get life everlasting. With Satan, you get cast into the lake of fire with he and his demonic followers. With God, you get love and compassion. With Satan, you get false promises and deception. With God, you get to inherit the kingdom of God. With Satan, you inherit a house of cards. Now, some people balk at this whole idea of serving God. They say, I don't want to serve God. He's not the boss of me. People who think this way obviously don't know how great a boss God is. After I graduated from barber school, I was living in Minneapolis, and I uh, was looking to start at a barber shop. I was trying to find a barber shop, shop to work at. And at the time, I was working in a pie factory, which is about one of the worst jobs that I've ever had. I spent 10 hours a night flipping frozen fruit into pie shells on an assembly line, uh, and uh, I had a stirring desire within me to get a better job. Well, Dick Kramer was the owner of one of the most popular barber shops in the Twin Cities at the time, and he was the first barber in the Midwest to introduce the sports barber concept. His guys wore sports jerseys from their favorite teams. He had ESPN playing on the big screen all day long, and he cranked out old-time rock and roll. Every barber I knew wanted to work at Dick's Sports Barbers. Dick had an opening right around the time that I had passed my barber boards, and he called down to the school that I was studying at to plan for those, and he asked if they knew of anybody that was available to become a barber at, and to interview at his shop. Well, the main instructor said that he had someone to recommend, but that someone had special circumstances surrounding him. Dick asked what those circumstances were, and the teacher said, well, I'll let you tell him about them. You'll just have to meet him and make up your own mind about him. Well, that special someone was me, and the special circumstances was that I had been incarcerated, and my barber training was from inside the state prison. Well, as Dick sat and listened to my story, his eyes lit up when I told him about how the Lord had changed my life and that I now served him. After I was done, he said, Scott, I was a young man once and I had made some bad, foolish decisions. Stealing a car for a joyride was one of those decisions and someone gave me grace and mercy and a second chance. And so I want to also give you that second chance. You are now one of Dick's barbers. Well, I worked my tail off for uh, Dick Kramer, and I loved doing it. He was one of the best bosses that I'd ever had. He was very encouraging. He was supportive. And in fact, after I worked for him for six years, I told him that I was going to open my own barbershop. And when I told him that, he didn't see me as a new competitor against his shop. He saw me as someone that he could help and encourage in my new venture. When we serve the Lord, and when he is our boss, we can't help but want to serve him with zeal and enthusiasm when we find out the kind of boss that he is. David longed to serve the Lord in an honorable way. He didn't want to take shortcuts and slack off. One of my friends asked me one time what my greatest desire in life is. And I didn't hesitate when I told him that my greatest desire is to stand before the Lord someday and to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm thankful that I serve the Lord who is God. Second, we see in the psalm that David says we can enter his gate and his courts. The second reason here about uh, this thankfulness 
has to do with the courts of God. In 2016, a month before he took office, Donald Trump met with President Obama. Now, this is not unusual in and of itself, and the thing about the me uh, meeting that really surprised me is that the two of them had never met face-to-face -face in person. What that tells me is it's pretty rare to be invited into the Oval Office to meet the U.S. President, even if you're one of the most influential and powerful businessmen in America. Now, that's in a country of just under 335 million citizens. I can't say that I've even ever met someone that has been in the Oval Office to meet any of the presidents. But consider the billions of people throughout history. For those who've placed their trust in Jesus, they will have the amazing privilege of being escorted through the gates of heaven. They'll walk down the golden streets of the New Jerusalem to God's palace. And just imagine what that will look like. And then they will be able to walk right into the throne room of God and see him face to face. In fact, in the spiritual realm, you already have an invitation from the Lord. It's in Hebrews 4.16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so, for even those who don't agree with the policy of our current president, if they were invited into the Oval Office, they'd probably be so amazed by the experience that they would not be able to voice any of their concerns or ask any questions. And I think that when you're invited into the throne room of God, there are only two words that will come to mind. Thank you. Third, we see in this psalm that we are loved, blessed, and cherished. For a moment, I want you to think of one of your favorite activities. Now imagine that you can invite one person to join you in that activity. That person is someone that you cherish greatly. You can't imagine life without them. Because of this care that you have for them and the cherished thoughts that you have, there are certain things that you do to show that. You buy them gifts. You call them regularly. You take them out to dinner and perhaps spend money on them in shared time of entertainment. God cherishes you greatly. And David says it like this, His steadfast love endures forever. Over time, the individual that we have a love for and we uh, spend our time with on the, these activities, that relationship might change. But God always wants to spend time with you. He's like the father whose son has been away on a tour of duty, perhaps fighting in a war. And when he comes back, the father drops everything. He wants to spend as much time as possible with that son. And I'm so thankful that we don't have a distant God that just puts up with us. But rather we have a God who welcomes us with rejoicing into his presence. If the angels throw a party in heaven because someone comes to faith, how much more so our Father in heaven? He's the one that's celebrating the most. And we see this in Zephaniah 3.17 where it says, He rejoices over you with loud singing. In conclusion this morning, you are on God's top eight list of song themes. In fact, the Bible tells us that you are number one on his list. I get this from Psalm 17, verse 8, where David prays, Keep me as the apple of your eye. This phrase, apple of the eye, developed as a way of saying something that's most cherished to you, like the pupil of your eye. 
And anyone who has sawdust or maybe a metal shaving in their eye knows how much we cherish our eye and try to protect it. David was a great poet and songwriter, but no one can outdo God as a psalmist of love. Listen to one line from his great unending love song. Psalm, or Romans uh, 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Father God, I thank you so much for this psalm of thanksgiving, that we are the apple of your eye, that you keep us as a cherished treasure. Lord, help us to carry with that with us throughout this week in a, a song of thanksgiving. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.